One more time. One more time. Afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the show that happens to be called Carving Up Live. Filling in for Bryson for about a minute or so. I'm Cheesehead Ozzy in the building. How about the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> 48 to two, I'm sorry, 48-32. Want to get the score correct? Led by Jordan Love. Near a perfect passer rating in Dallas, Texas. You know, listen, uh, Bryson called me to the to the studio. You know, because he assumed the Cowboys would win and win comfortably and his guy Dak would ball out. And neither of those things happened. But uh, I had to come anyway to celebrate the fact that my Green Bay Packers are well, they're right back in business. In the division round, taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Big underdogs, 10-point underdogs, but it doesn't matter. Way Jordan loves playing. Way Matt LaFleur is dialing up those plays, those young young buck receivers, uh, Christian Watson and Dobbs and Luke Musgrave, the tight end, all these dudes out there. They're showing up. Looking good. She said Ozzy. Sharon! Sharon! She said Ozzy. Out of the building. Okay, back to the real show. Uh, good evening and afternoon and whatever time you're watching this show. Welcome to Carving It Up on Twitter and on YouTube. I am Bryson Carver. I'm not in as good of a mood as she said Ozzy is or was and is going to be. But, um... This is a rough show for me as a Dak guy, but I'm going to get through it. We do have a lot to talk about. Obviously, tons of Cowboys, tons of Packers to start the show. About 15, 20-minute uh, segments uh, coming up to discuss both of those teams, their immediate uh, future and the coming future, especially for Green Bay playing San Francisco on Saturday. Also going to get into the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely mopping the floor with the Miami Dolphins. It really should have been more of a blowout than it was, but I'm here to tell you, folks, everybody else shocked about Kansas City. Folks, they never left. Dynasties can flip a switch in the postseason. Season. I would know I'm a Warriors fan. I'll get into that in about 45 minutes or so. CJ Stroud balling out and knocking those good for nothing Cleveland Browns out of the playoffs. Very, very happy to see that. Shout out to CJ Stroud. A truth that he taught us, or didn't teach me, maybe taught, hopefully taught the rest of the NFL that is oh so apparent in 2024 in today's era of the National Football League and the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Freaking love y'all. I love y'all, man. Going to get to the Lions in about 25 minutes or so. Yep, there's my sister in the comments. I, I, I knew. Yep. Go, Pack, go. Now, she is a Packers fan. She was very happy about that yesterday. We obviously watched the game together. We didn't put anything on it. Thank God. We almost did. I, I considered making a similar bet to last year where I would have worn a cheese head on my head for the entire week. Thank God I didn't go through that bet. Uh, that would have been an absolute train wreck disaster. I will get into the Packers because they, they definitely deserve their due share, and Jordan Love in particular, who I was dead wrong about. But first, the Dallas Cowboys, it's almost become funny at this point, collapse in the playoffs once again by a final score of 48-32 to to the aforementioned Green Bay Packers. We are in a very weird space today with Dallas. And I find that we're in the same spot we were in to a certain extent last year, but really more so the year before that. And just by and large in the last three years that Dak has had three generally healthy seasons with Mike McCarthy as the head coach. Because everybody is calling for McCarthy's job today. He's uncreative. He had a bad game plan. More on that later in the show. And, and the defense is terrible, which they were. They gave up 48 points to the Packers. Uh, Packers team that scored 17 against Chicago last week. And it's all this, all this. Jerry Jones doesn't know what he's doing. They can't draft a number two receiver. But it's Dak Prescott's fault. I mean, obviously, it's got to be on, on the quarterback. 
quarterback gets the majority of the credit when the team wins. He gets the majority of the blame when they lose. And that's completely fair and justified regarding my man, Rain Dakota Prescott, who, I mean, look at statistical output, three touchdowns, 403 yards, uh, completion percentage over 67% as well. But vast majority of those yards came in garbage time. Although I would argue maybe not so much garbage time. I mean, Dallas almost cut it to a one-score game, but we can we can nitpick here and there. Pass running at 89, okay. Quarter a QBR of 43, eh, below average. Dak played about a C, C-plus-ish game. Not an F game like people are overreacting and casuals are trying to convince you. And certainly nobody on God's green earth is going to argue he had an A game. But this is where I get really irritated as the, I would call myself the unofficial president of the Dak Prescott Support Club. As a matter of fact, as a former Dallas Cowboys fan, I uh, I said back in 2020, when Dak went down with the injury, the ankle injury, don't want to rehash that. Uh, he didn't have a long-term contract, and I'm like, you know what? Screw Jerry Jones. Screw the Cowboys. They did this man dirty. I'm out of here. I will pull for Dak. I will pull for whoever Dak plays for, but I will no longer be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Maintain that to this day, and it is good to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan relative to my days in Dallas. But that aside, part of the reason I've always supported Dak through thick and thin is because I've seen his ceiling. I've seen what he's capable of doing at the highest level. Um, again, did not play even close to an A-plus game yesterday. I will not make any excuses or mistakes about it. But in an unofficial um, segment of Carving Up the Context, which I do every Wednesday, this does not count as Carving Up the Context. I'll save that for Wednesday. This notion that Dak is the source of the Cowboys' problems. Folks, there's an old saying in professional sports. It's one of my favorites. That don't blame your best player for your biggest problems. And yes, Dak's the Cowboys' best player. Are we really going to really gonna argue that today? Zach Martin's fading. Tyron Smith's still an excellent player. He's kind of fading into distant memory, memory in terms of his ability. 13th year in the league. He just completed, might retire. Micah Parsons is so elite. Saw this stat according. This is, a, is this next-gen stats, I believe? Next-gen stats according to the National Football League. Micah Parsons uh, was held to one pressure on 19 pass rushes. His only pressure came when he was unblocked. So essentially, Micah Parsons didn't show up. CeeDee Lamb had multiple drops but had his moments from time to time. Dak's the Cowboys' best player. And the fact of the matter is I'm hearing, oh, you know, one year left on Dak's contract. You got to consider moving on from him. More on why the Cowboys are in a tough position to do that in just a second. But it, oftentimes in sports, in life, and my Lord is Twitter X, whatever the heck it's called these days, is this not a perfect representation of this? Or is that a rep perfect representation about what I'm about to say? That the last thing that happened is the only thing that happened. So yes, the Dallas Cowboys are going to, we'll see if they do, but... Yeah, they're going to move off of a guy who, you know, a few weeks when the MVP voting comes out and Lamar Jackson wins it, you know whose name's going to be below Lamar? Not Mahomes, not Burrow, not Josh Allen, not McCaffrey, TJ Watt, my man out of Pittsburgh, Miles Garrett, Tyree Kill. It's going to be Dak Prescott. You're telling me a guy who led the league in touchdown passes and completion percentage and was top five in touchdown to interception ratio, only through nine this year, cut his interceptions almost in half in more games played, and led the Cowboys to another 12-1 season without a legitimate number two receiver. Yeah, they're going to move off of him. That's going to fix their problems. Dallas, and I've often said this, like, and it's to a greater degree with Lamar Jackson, but I've also made the same case with Dak Prescott, that we often forget how eh, Dallas is without Dak. 
opposed to with him. With him, averaging 20. This is since his rookie year, by the way. Averaging 27 points a game. 381 yards a game offensively. That ain't bad. Dak has a 99 passer rating. That's pretty good in general. That's that's including the bad year in 2017. Uh, and wins about 64% of his games. Again, this is including some of the, the rough stretches with Jason Garrett. Still, even the 8-8 eight eight year in 2019 still wins 64% of the games. Without Dak, they struggle to break 20, barely 21 points per game. 300, excuse me, 23 yards per game. Eh. They average... They win about 53% of their games as opposed to the 64 with Dak. And they have a 77 passer rating. League average. We often forget that Dallas, more on Green Bay later in this unheard of stretch of great quarterback play they've had since the, the early 90s. We often forget that Dallas's last three good to great quarterbacks, Aikman, Romo, Dak, Dallas lucked into all of them. Troy Aikman was the number one pick in, in, in 1989. We had Dell. He was the number one pick in that draft. Whoever, if it was the Bears who had the first pick and the Lions who had the first pick, Dallas, Aikman was going number one. Dallas just so happened to be the worst team in the league that year. They took him. Duh. Of course, you're going to take Troy Aikman. Kind of lucked into that. We're terrible in order to get him. Tony Romo was so good. The Cowboys loved Romo so much in 2003. They didn't draft him because nobody drafted him undrafted free agent, and Bill Parcells and Sean Payton, that coaching staff, developed Romo until he eventually became a pretty darn good NFL quarterback, franchise guy. Dak Prescott, Cowboys loved him so much, not only did they not draft him for three rounds, they tried to trade up into the first round to go for this guy. Remember this guy's name? Paxton Lynch. They backed into a fourth rounder out of Mississippi State. Worked out pretty well for him. We often forget the fact that before Dak Prescott joined, the Dallas Cowboys, they had had five of their last six seasons prior to 2016 and missed the playoffs. And if you include that six-year stretch from 2010 to 2015, and by the way, Dak inherited a 4-12 and team, neither here nor there. Um, if you take those six years, take the games that Dak has missed in his career, 54-58, and 58, below average, which is by and large what the Cowboys have been over the last 28. Now it's going to be 29 years with this stretch of Forget making a Super Bowl. Failing to get to a conference championship game in an NFC that you would not have had a better opportunity as the two seed, 16, 16 of your last 16 at home against an inexperienced Packers team. Blame is not absolved other from Dak Prescott. He deserves a, a, a solid chunk of blame. The pick six was awful. Awful. The first play... Questionable, probably should have been P.I. If the refs are going to let that go, that's fine. Let him play. It's the NFL playoffs. I got no issue with that. Second pick to Darnell Savage was a horrendous decision by Dak. H horrible. But how many times during that game, I'm going to roll with the analysis of Greg Olson on Fox during the game. How many times did you watch the game? If you're listening to the sound the way I was, did Greg Olson say, yeah, Dak's just looking for somebody to separate. Like if somebody, you know, like Dak's, you know, it's scramble drill. Where's somebody getting open? Have I not been saying that all season long with the Cowboys? I've had Dallas as high as I've had them uh, in Bryson's best 10 every Wednesday when I rip my top 10 in the league. Uh, the highest Dallas has gotten, they've been there for a few weeks now, is number three just behind the Ravens and the Niners. They're like, Bryson, why'd you have them at three? One, because the roster. You can go back and check those tapes. I never said it was because of the roster, which is, let's be honest, it's fine. It's okay. It's It's... I mean, really, Deron Bland, first team all put really after what he did yesterday and after what DK Metcalf and anytime he faced an elite receiver, he got cooked. 
really that's a first team all pro and Micah Parsons is defensive player of the year over TJ Watt. Miss me with that. It's 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 a good roster. They have a great quarterback, a great receiver. Jags across the board from there, just a guy. Ferguson's fine. I like him. And then defensively, a really talented but overly emotional, immature defensive player, Micah Parsons, and then guys after that, especially once Trayvon Diggs went down. And a coach that nobody likes or trusts. And Mike McCarthy, who's probably going to be unemployed by the end of the week. I had them at number three because of Dak Prescott and because of C.D. Lamb. Because in today's quarterback-centric league, you need a great quarterback, you need a great receiver. Now, preferably, you'd like to have a good security blanket tight end, which Ferguson's evolved into, props to him. Or you'd like to have a guy in Brandon Cooks who's not, you know, 112th in yards per catch. That'd be nice. Or Jalen Tolbert, who barely played last year, or Michael Gallup, who played pretty well yesterday, but for the vast majority of the season kind of looked physically shot, unfortunately, off the ACL last year or two years ago. My mistake with Dak, here's where I made the mistake. Here's where I was really wrong. I assumed, because I picked the Cowboys to get to the Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs. More on the Chiefs later, because I feel great about them winning the Super Bowl, that pick. But my my mistake, my error, was assuming Dak could take a eh, roster to the Super Bowl. Folks, only two guys in the league can do that. One plays in Kansas City, the other plays in Cincinnati. Love Lamar Jackson. He has one playoff win. And I love. I think Lamar J- Jackson is the third best quarterback in the league. Love Lamar Jackson. His one playoff win. Josh Allen. He had Brian Dable in 2021. Still couldn't get past the Chiefs. Now you can probably blame his defense. You can't blame Josh Allen for that game. But you get what I'm saying. Had Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, who's great in the playoffs. Great OC years ago. He hasn't put together any incredible run. He's had some pretty good defenses in the past. Throw out any quarterback you want. Tre- My guy, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence collapsed at the end of the year. Injured, but still collapsed. Two guys can take average rosters to long playoff. I mean, what Burrow did in 2021, I've never seen anything like it. That was a horrible offensive line and a pretty average roster. Took it to the Super Bowl. Mahomes last year, his number one receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster. Led it to the number one offensive league. Obviously, Mahomes' greatness doesn't need to be regurgitated today. We were pretty aware of how great that player is. That was my mistake with Dak, is assuming he could take a Good coach. I still think McCarthy's a good coach. Not great. Not a, not a guy who can win Super Bowls in the modern era, but a good coach. An average defense and a very average skill position group, including C.D. Lamb. C.D.'s not average. He, he, he elevates that roster, or I should say that skill position group, into average. That was my mistake with Dak. Won't be made again. But I'll say this, and then I'll look at the comments, then we'll talk Green Bay. We're about to learn a lot about Dak Prescott in the next couple of months because he holds all the leverage with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys front office. All the leverage. Three reasons. Number one, he has one year left in his deal. He didn't have to sign anything he doesn't want to. If Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Cowboys front office says, hey, here's a contract that's going to pay you, I don't know, $60 million a year. Dak can turn it down if he wants to, if he doesn't want to continue to waste his career in Dallas. Number two. His contract says that he signed in 2021. That contract says the Cowboys can't franchise tag him. So the Cowboys, and I this I hate the franchise tag. The Cowboys cannot sign him to the franchise tag and do a one-year deal, do like this sort of like half engagement type of thing. Like, they're not going to do that. They can't do that. And third, and maybe most importantly, 
Dak has a no trade clause. No trade clause. So if the Cowboys want to trade, screw him over and trade him to Carolina or something, he could say, nope, not going to play there. And they can't do that. Be going against his contract. Here's what I would do if I were Dak. First, I would suggest requesting a trade, but that doesn't seem to me to be Dak's kind of the way he goes about things. So that's fine. See who the Cowboys hire at head coach. Bill Belichick, there's been rumors there. Jim Harbaugh, uh, I don't think Harbaugh would ever go to work for Jerry Jones, but just for the sake of argument, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, there's plenty. This is, I mean, Mike Vrabel, like I've talked last week, I cannot believe how great the candidates are. That's why I've said for Philadelphia, at least consider moving off Nick Sirianni. The candidates here are insane. See who they hire, play next year, see how it works out. Leave in free agency. Because trust me, you see, you've seen some of the quarterback play with some of these teams. You've seen Pittsburgh, my Steelers quarterback, play in Atlanta's. Could sure use them, a Dak Prescott. Could sure use them. So blame Dak all you want. Knock yourselves out. But this notion that he's the source of the Cowboys' problems, Cowboys fans, longtime Cowboys fans, remember Quincy Carter? Remember that weird Drew Bledsoe year? Remember Brandon Whedon? Remember that Andy Dalton season when Dak went down? Wasn't too fun, was it? Let go of Dak. You go from playoff frauds and disappointment to irrelevant. If there's one thing I know about Jerry Jones, he wants a Super Bowl his way. The last thing he wants, Jerry Jones could go 0-17. That the Cowboys don't lose money in terms of their brand, Jerry Jones chilling. Doesn't bother him. You lose Dak, it's over. Trading Dak, while I hope it happens for Dak's sake, would be the worst mistake in the history of Jerry Jones's career in Dallas outside of firing Jimmy Johnson, which was an infinitely worse mistake because Jerry let us probably get the best of him and fired one of the best coaches we've ever seen. You see, you see Jimmy Johnson at halftime at Fox. My lord, I want to. He's eighty years old. I want to play for him right now. I've never played football in my life. I want to go play for Jimmy Johnson. That's their thing. We got some comments up in here. Student of the game two two five Packers simply wanted it more. A team that was in a rebuild and nobody expected to play postseason football this year come and whooped one of the best teams in the NFC. No question about it. Outstanding. Let's see. In Tony Romo's rookie season, this is also student of the game, 225. In Tony Romo's rookie season, he was fourth string behind Drew Bledsoe, Quincy Carter, and Drew Henson. Parcells was a real evaluator of talent and a real guy who could develop talent. I mean, who is who is the quarterback? I mean, he won a Super Bowl with Phil Simms. Who was the uh, quarterback he won the Super Bowl with with the Giants in 91? Somebody help me in the comments here. Was it, is it, was it Jet, like Jeff Jordan? No, was it Hostetler? I think it was, I think it was Hostetler. Somebody help me in the comments here. I think it was Hostetler. Um, who won the Super Bowl in 91? Like, who's who's this guy? And 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 Parcells won the Super Bowl with him. Parcells develops Tony Romo into hey, this guy's this guy's pretty good. Like, really good. I mean, had a nice career in Dallas. Undrafted. Parcells developed that. And Sean Payton, by the way. Clo oh, okay. Chloe's back in the comments. What's up, Chloe? I'm not saying this loss was solely his fault, but Dak certainly didn't play his best game last night. He did not play his best game last night. No, there's no nobody's gonna argue that. Um I, I I am not. But what I am saying is the notion, Chloe, that is being pushed around, not by that many people. I'm actually surprised at how many people are coming to Dak's defense. Well, I shouldn't say coming to Dak's defense, but not putting the loss on him. Like um, I saw Rex Ryan this morning and Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Richard Sherman this morning was coming to Dak's defense, saying if you move on from him, you're screwed. So 
he deserves blame. Again, the pick six was horrible, horrible decision by Dak. Don't know what he was thinking there. Um, that that's like that's the kind of place he kind of eliminated from last year. Um, outside of that, could somebody get open for him? Would it kill him? More in the pack. I'm getting the Packers just a second. Student of the game, two two five. For all the hype that Dallas defense got, they laid an egg big time yesterday. Great regular season team, horrible postseason team. As bad as the as the Cowboys defense was yesterday, the I don't know if I've ever seen this in my life before. J- to the way the the the, the play uh, progressed and played out, where Jordan Love, this is third quarter, it's a play. I'm pretty sure it's a play action. Pressure's coming. Throws a bomb to Luke Musgrave. Folks, it felt like the ball was in the air for 10 seconds. And I'm looking. We're watching, I'm, me and my sister, everybody, we're watching the game on Fox. I see Luke Musgraves catching a football. I don't see a white jersey in sight. I'm like, how the heck did he, this guy get this wide open? That was the story of the day for Dallas. Aaron Jones, three touchdowns. Student the game, 225. Franchise tag is a cop-out for front offices, and I hate it. Oh, we want you for another year, but we don't want to pay you. I am a 1,000% with you on that. I've been saying that for years. I hate the franchise tag. For me, it's a lose for the organization and a lose for the player. Adam Bessie from the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. What's up, Adam? I needed to come hear you talk about Dak so that I didn't say something I would regret later on. Get rid of Big Mike, though. It's Here's here's a, here's a something about Mike McCarthy, Adam, and Cam Fan guys. Shout out to those guys. Do a phenomenal job. I know it was a tough night for y'all, but y'all do a fantastic job. Um... I saw I, I saw this, okay? Mike McCarthy is the analytics. Remember when Mike McCarthy came in? I don't think you, we used to have the soundbot in here. I don't think we have it anymore. No, nah, it's not on here. But remember when Mike McCarthy said, I'm Mr. Analytics guy. Watch every play from the Cowboys in 2019. Then in his introductory press conference, he's like, yeah, I just wanted the job. I, I was totally BSing y'all. Like, well, if Mike McCarthy, and I talked about this two weeks ago with the Detroit game. If Mike McCarthy is Mr. Analytics guy, Dallas ran the ball seven times on second down. Seven times on second down during the game. You know how many yards they got out of those seven carries? 15 yards. And in a lot of these cases, these were like second and four situations. These were second and two. Like, you got momentum. Dak's building a little momentum. Maybe C. Lamb can get... And you hand the ball to Tony Pollard, who's been nothing against Tony, but kind of a no-show this year. Barely 1,000 yards in a full 17-game season. Adam Bessie, let's play a defensive scheme we haven't played all year and hope for the best, says no one ever except DQ. Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. That was the most – there's a lot of confusing aspects about that game yesterday. Again, more on the Packers in literally just a second because i got to give them their, their due share. But, yeah, that Dan Quinn, going back to Seattle, in Atlanta, now in Dallas, has always been a, been a man-to-man guy. And he has, you know, young athletic players in Dallas to kind of, Deron Bland, Stephon Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs when healthy, to kind of play that role. And then he goes into this soft zone. It was, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And Jordan Love's like, thank you. You know, I'm going to dish it out to Musgrave and to, to I don't think Jaden Reed had a catch yesterday. Uh, Wicks, I like that Wicks kid. I think he's going to be a nice player. Uh, Romeo Dobbs was amazing. He's wide open. Unbelievable. Sooner the game, 225. Shame on Eagles fans. I've been seeing a lot of hate on Dallas losing yesterday on social media. They better not lose tonight. Well, my predictions for Eagles Buccaneers at the end of the show. That was a tough one for me to predict. That, that was tough. I went back and forth on it, but I did make a decision. More on that at the end of the show. To Green Bay, though, spent 20 minutes on Dallas. Let's talk about the winning team, the Green Bay Packers. I have, I don't think I've ever, so many things yesterday I've never seen before. 
I'm, I, I hope I don't sound like I'm overreacting, but honest to God, it was jarring. It'd be one thing for the Packers to win the game. It's another for them to just come in and, I mean, you wouldn't know. If, if, if somebody has never watched football before and say, hey, one team had the second best record of the conference, the other team literally had to win their last game to get in the playoffs in general. If I didn't know beforehand, if it didn't say two seed or whatever, I didn't know the two seed got the home game. You could have told me that Dallas was the two seed and the Packers were the seven, but nonetheless, that's how how the cookie crumbled over the course of the 18-week season. This is unprecedented what Green Bay is doing right now. Like, literally unprecedented. Favre, three MVPs, Super Bowl title. 90, was it 92 to 07? A lot of playoff wins. Super Bowl went to another Super Bowl, lost to Denver. Then from 08 to 2022, Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl title. Four MVPs. And now you hand it off to a kid out of Utah State who in his first start in 2021 in Kansas City looked overwhelmed. Who last year with Aaron Rodgers having the worst season of his career, the Packers stood up there and said, yeah, we'll still start Aaron over the kid. And that was kind of for me like, dang, you want to at least see what you got in him? You're still rolling with Aaron? My apologies, Brian Gutekunst. My apologies, Matt LaFleur. Y'all know what y'all doing. And what is... I don't think I've ever seen this in a single season before. Through the first nine games of the year, Jordan Love was, at best, will be kind, kind of an average quarterback. He was. We'll show you the stats in just a second. He was an average quarterback. And then, just turning on a dime... The last nine games, he's been insane. So the first nine games goes from opening day to the, against the Bears, in which he was amazing. And then the last uh, the last of those nine games was actually against my Steelers. He threw a huge goal line interception. Like, he was he didn't play that well in that game. Pittsburgh barely survived, but that's because we still have Matt Canada. Then the last nine goes from the Chargers win at Lambeau to yesterday. By the way, this graphic, graphic created by my man Alfred Parso Jr. Shout out to Alfred of the Grid Network and a good friend of mine. Look at this. Jordan Love's first nine games. This is, it doesn't even make sense. These are two different players. First nine games, Jordan Love, 14 touchdowns, 10 picks, barely completed 52% of his passes. That's like Tebow numbers. Had a passer rating of 83.9 and a QBR of 49.6. His last nine games, 21, he goes from 14 in nine games to 21. So, you know, essentially, you know, multiple, or, it repeats his touchdowns, but adds 33%. Goes from 14 touchdowns to 21. Goes from 10 picks in his last nine games to a single interception. Completes, goes from 52% to 70% of his passes completed. Goes from a pass rating of 83, like kind of average, to good Lord, that's like Mahomes and Brady stuff, 117. It goes from a QBR of 49.6 to a QBR of 76.6. I don't think we've ever seen this before in a single season. We've seen guys, I've talked before about how like Josh Allen had a horrible rookie year and then came back year two and was really good. And then obviously we know the player he is now. Jared Goff, disastrous rookie year. Came back year two, looked amazing. We've seen year one to year two, but that's a whole off season. That's eight months. You're telling me in like eight days he can, he can switch this around? He goes from, God, it's a backup quarterback to, Holy cow, that's a top 10 quarterback. That's He's better than Rodgers. I've never seen a in, an in-season turnaround 
by a quarterback midseason in my life like this. Maybe it's the fact that he is in year four. Maybe it's the fact that he's been in this offense. He's practiced it for the last three years coming into this year. And it's took him a little, it took him a little bit of time to build rapport with the receivers, to get comfortable um, in, in the in the Matt LaFleur system. Because I remember talking about there was a game they played against Detroit on a Thursday night. Then they played the Raiders like a week or two later. And I, and I remember saying on the show, like, he doesn't look that comfortable in the pocket. He's just kind of antsy, dancing around, making quick, rash decisions. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing right now. Two. My God, his mechanics look just like Aaron. These off-platform throws, these just quick whip, it's incredible. And listen, Green Bay is a double-digit underdog at at, at San Francisco. They should be. The Niners had the best team in all football. I should say the best roster in all football. I think the Ravens are the best team right now. Um, They should be double-digit dogs, but I don't know. I'm I'm not thinking the the Niners are going to humiliate them. Going to beat them by 20 or 30 points or something. Green Bay is in good shape. Youngest team in the playoffs since the 1974 Buffalo Bills. So essentially a, a half century. And they come in, mop the floor with Dallas. Some of this was Dallas just screwing up in terms of coaching. And in terms of personnel, they weren't near as good as everybody thought they were. Um, I was one of the few to say that. Some of this is just, wow, Green, Green Bay has aced the draft the last few years. Christian Watson, who was kind of beat up, didn't really make that much of an impact yesterday, but still got him. Romeo Dobbs, who was outstanding. Luke Musgrave and Reed, who was, didn't, wasn't that impactful, and Wicks and Aaron Jones. like They got that other kid, that backup running back. I'm forgetting his name. Um, that Where A.J. Dillon was out of this game, that the backup running back came in and did a good job. I'm like, they're in pretty good shape. This offensive line, nobody develops offensive lines better than the Packers. Feels like it's going to be Detroit-Green Bay for a, for a while in that division. Chicago, we'll see what they do. If they take Caleb Williams, which they should. Minnesota is always going to be good, not good enough. <laughs> Get ready for the next decade of Jordan Love. I, I was dead wrong on this kid. I was. I said last week I was wrong in the sense that the Packers got a franchise guy. Now they don't have a franchise guy. They have an elite guy. Jordan Love's that dude, man. He He's really good. And the rapport he has with these young guys. And I'm sorry, I went here last week. I'll go here today. Uh, matter of fact... If I can pull up the graphic from a week ago when I did this about, hang on, where I compared two quarterbacks, and I hate to people are going to get on me for this, whatever. Uh, facts are the facts. I mean, you know, stats don't 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 care about your opinion. Do we have this here? The graphic? Okay, here we go. So there's two quarterbacks right here. One on the left is Jordan Love. That's his regular season numbers for the year. The other one on the right is a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's Love and Rodgers. Love last year. I'm sorry, Love this year, Rodgers last year. Love is better in literally every single statistical category outside of completion percentage, which Rodgers beat him, beats him by 0.4 points, so barely. And Rodgers did not take near the shots down the field last year that Love does this year. And Love, better leadership, no drama, has a good rapport with the wide receivers. Yeah. You know, I said... I was initially skeptical, and then I'll move on to to Detroit. I was very skeptical about the Rodgers to the Jets trade. I was like, ah, this isn't going to work. I don't like this fit. He's an older guy going to a losing franchise. He's a bad leader. Drama. And then about three months later, a couple, two, two, three months later, I kind of sat back and I was like, well, let's see. 
we've had a bunch of quarterback trades in the last four years. Or not quarterback trades, but like Brady left New England to go to Tampa or was pushed out of New England. Stafford, more on him later, was traded by the Lions to the Rams. And then Russell traded by the Broncos to the Seahawks. Now you have Rodgers traded from the Packers to the Jets. And there's always in those splits been a clear winner. Always. Brady was the clear winner going to Tampa. Stafford was a clear winner, although not as much today, but he did get a Super Bowl, so Stafford won. Like, Stafford got a Super Bowl. Detroit's in a good spot now. More on them in literally just a second. But then Russell to Seattle. Seattle won that trade clearly. Clearly won that trade. Russell's probably not going to be a Bronco next year. I know Seattle fired Pete Carroll, which doesn't really make sense to me, but Seattle won that trade. Got a bunch of picks. Got some good players out of that. And I said, there's going to be a winner out of this. So am I going to trust, and this was where I messed up, the Hall of Fame quarterback, I get he's going to a losing franchise, but they have a great defense, and Garrett Wilson, and the Packers, I don't, I have not liked at all what I've seen from Jordan Love up to this point. They haven't started him yet. Well, I was right about the fact that there was a clear winner. I was just wrong on who the winner was. Hey, doesn't hurt me to admit I'm wrong. Doesn't hurt me at all. Shout out to the Packers, and shout out to Jordan Love. By the way, reason, if for those of you that are wondering why I'm doing my show three hours earlier than usual, well... It is game day for my Pittsburgh Steelers. I can go ahead and take my DAC hat off. But DAC hat ain't going nowhere. Just letting y'all know that. Okay. Y'all ain't get me to, to bail on my guy. But uh, it is game day for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Buffalo Bills. And uh, I'll predict Tampa Bay and Philadelphia at the end of the show. I know a lot of you are like, well, with the reschedule, are you changing your pick from the other day about your upset of the week, the Steelers winning? To that, I would say, I, I respond. Did I stutter? Yeah, Pittsburgh going to beat Buffalo today, 17-16. Josh Allen, untimely turnovers for the Buffalo Bills. I'd say Bills fans have been on me the last 24 hours, man. They have not said very nice things to me, and it hurt my feelings. It really hurt my feelings. Yeah, student of the game, 225. Steelers may upset the Bills, I'm just saying. All right, let's talk about Detroit, though. Let's talk about Detroit. Um, Before I even do that, just one last thing real quick. Um, just one more time for, for good measure. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cowboys fan. I love Cowboys fans. I used to be one of them. Got so many friends that are Cowboys fans. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't help it. To the Detroit Lions. Oh, my goodness. I was scared that I wouldn't be playing this soundbite again. But here we are. The Detroit Lions, for the first time in 30-plus years, they, ladies and gentlemen, have won a playoff game. What'd y'all do, Dan Campbell? Kneecap. 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 Yes, sir. So, you're like, Bryce, you're a Steelers fan. Why are you so dang fired up for the Detroit Lions? Well, first of all, Detroit's a great city, and they have been through. People talk about, oh, Cleveland's been through so much, and oh, this city, that. Nobody ever talks about Detroit. No, you might think about what they've been through. Yes, I know the Pistons have won a championship in the 21st century, but the Pistons are literally the joke of sports. They've won three basketball games this year, and the season started back in October. Okay? The Tigers are a mess in Major League Baseball. Don't follow hockey enough to know about the Red Wings. My guess is they probably suck too. Could be dang wrong on that. I don't know anything about hockey. And the Lions have sucked for the vast majority of the last 30 years. Barry Sanders played for the Lions and might be the greatest running back of all time the last time that they won a playoff game in which they happened to do so against the Cowboys. I think it was like 38-6 to back in 1991. It's been that long, ladies and gentlemen. And yesterday, with even me, who's a big Lions supporter from last year's draft, forget the offseason, the draft, I was a little skeptical. Like, okay, I think the Rams have the better quarterback. McVay's the better coach. Ugh. 
They've been better than basically anybody in football over the last couple of months. They're only losses to the to the Ravens in overtime on the road. Pretty impressive resume. Uh, not feeling so good about this. And I took ball. I, I'm sorry. I took um, Los Angeles in the points, which I was right on. LA did cover, but I'm loyal to Detroit. It's going to be tight. It's going to be a little ugly. It's not going to be always aesthetically pleasing in the second half. It was far from that, but somehow, some way, they're at home. They're going to find a way to pull it out by a single point, and doggone it, is that not exactly what they did? Really, the difference in the game in many ways, really the biggest difference, is the fact that the Rams, again, losing the game by point, got to the red zone not once, not twice, three times. Three field goals. That's what killed them. Couldn't cash in the red zone. And in some ways, I'm not going to lie, I, I'm a big-time Sean McVay fan. I think he's one of the five best coaches in the league. That was one of his worst coaching performances. Bad use of timeouts in the second half. Um, the very predictable play calling the red zone. He just kept going to Cooper Cup every single time. It's like, bro, Puka Nakua is having, I should say, the game of his life, but Puka's been doing this all season. He had 181 receiving yards, but he's kept going to Cup, Cup, Cup in the red zone. Hats off to Matthew Stafford. Listen, personally, I don't think Stafford should have been in the game after that hit. I think that was a how that was roughing the passers beyond me. Uh, Stafford should not have been the game, but a gutsy performance back in Detroit, threw for 367, couple tuds, and a pass rating of 120. Stafford couldn't have played better. Uh, they just couldn't catch the red zone. Play calling was suspect in many ways. But if you're the Rams, listen, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, and you came a point away from advancing to the divisional round. It could be worse. It's a well-coached team, well-run franchise, um, and a great quarterback who's getting up there in age. Stafford is 35 years old, but Rams draft well. They've been able to surround him with a good number of talent this year. We'll see what they do and how they approach this offseason. But for Detroit, now this is a team that everybody collectively, I think, liked coming into the season. I feel like the majority of people were like, yeah, they're better than Minnesota and Chicago, and they're better than Green Bay. They'll win the NFC North. It felt like that was the consensus pick. Some people took Minnesota. few people took Green Bay to win the division. But by and large, people took Detroit to win the North. But everybody's like, yeah, they score a lot of points. Campbell's fun. Goff's a good quarterback. He's been to a Super Bowl. Uh, but they're, they're not that serious of a team. Except for yours truly. I said... I'll pull out this clip if they win next week because I don't want to be premature. But I said last, as as long ago as last April during the draft, I think the Lions are going to be in the NFC Championship game this season. Dallas, we know their playoff history. San Francisco, at that time, I was concerned about the health of Purdy. Philadelphia could take a step back. That was just a guess. Philadelphia did end up taking a step back. I don't know. I kind of like it. Seattle, Geno Smith, eh, don't really trust them at quarterback. I don't know. This, this team in Detroit, you know, they were one and seven, one and seven at one point in the season. And is that what the record was one and seven? I think uh, it's one and six. I apologize. One and six. And they went on to win eight of their last 10 games. Got hot down the stretch. Golf played well. Defense showed signs of life. Then what did they do? They drafted Jameer Gibbs, who I freaking loved out of Alabama. They took that kid, Sam Laporta, out of tight end U, also known as Iowa. They addressed the defense of the draft. Brian Branch out of Alabama. Went out in free agency. Got guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnston from the Philadelphia Eagles. Addressed the defense. Relied on some of the younger guys there, such as Aiden Hutchinson, Alex Anzalone. Brought in a veteran corner. Shout out to a University of Tennessee guy. Cam Sutton. They addressed the holes in their team. And they went out and got David Montgomery. Power back to kind of take a little bit of the load off of Jameer Gibbs, which they took they got Montgomery before Gibbs, but still. Um, they addressed their needs. 
It's Brad Holmes who deserves an immense amount of credit for doing what he did. And there's history. There's precedent for this where it's coach we all like, Dan Campbell, with two great coordinators. Aaron Glenn on defense, who's done a marvelous job of the last month. I had serious concerns about this Lions team. I was really worried that, you know, I went, I was talking about my playoff weaknesses last week, the weakness of every four, all 14 playoff teams. And for Detroit, I was like, I don't think they can win if it's not a shootout. Like, that was my concern. If the defense struggles and the offense is, has a bad day at the office, I didn't think they could win. Well, they did. Offense went nowhere in the second half, and they still won the game because they got the stops when necessary. They bent but didn't break down in the red zone. Now, nobody's going to mistake this defense for the 49ers or the Ravens. But opportunity, I should say opportunistic. They don't get a ton of turnovers, but they need to get a stop in the red zone. Field shrinks a little bit. Got to be almost perfect to score on this defense. And Dan Campbell. Talk about being wrong today. Was I not wrong on this guy? Matter of fact, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to keep it real. Weren't the majority of us wrong on this guy when he was hired in early 2021? We saw that press conference. You heard a little bit in that soundbite there, the Oprah soundbite. You get a kneecap, you get a kneecap. Everybody gets a kneecap. He said, we're going to bite some kneecaps. It's like, oh, God, ugh. Well, poor Detroit. Oh, it's just as bad as it's gotten. It's going to get worse. Now, is Dan Campbell going to be mistaken for the guy he faced last night, McVay? No, but I could argue out-coach McVay. Is he going to be put in the same discussion from an X's and O's standpoint with Mc? I'm sorry, with um, Shanahan, Andy Reid? No. But what he does is he gets Brian Johnson, who's going to be a head coach next year, who's the best offensive coordinator in football. And they go out. They trade Stafford. They're bringing Jared Goff, who's been to a Super Bowl. What do they do? They're like, Goff, kind of a pocket guy. We're going to draft a good offensive line, put it around him. We're going to draft Panay Sewell. We're going to take all these tackles and guards to protect our pocket guy. Give him receivers. Jamison Williams drafted out of Alabama two drafts ago. All of the holes, they filled them. That's why I believe in this team. And Dan Campbell, 419 and one in his first 24 games. Wasn't looking so good. They were playing teams close, but oftentimes in a bad team. And Detroit was bad in 2021, average in 2022, by and large, take the entirety of the season. He built culture there. At that point, locker room can turn. They never once turned on Dan Campbell. The belief in that locker room, that can't be measured in X's and O's. That can't be measured in analytics or any of that. The belief in their head coach is unlike anything I've seen aside from maybe a few teams in all of professional sports. Dan Campbell, a lot of love for him. Ben Johnson, a lot of love for him. He's going to be a head coach. How, how, if he's not a head coach, somebody's doing something wrong uh, in, in these front offices. General manager. Brad Holmes doing a phenomenal job. And how about Jared Goff? Getting a win against his former team who gave up on him. Think that felt good for him? I'm telling you, this is why I believe in this Lions team. This is why I believe in this Lions team coming to the end of the year. The culture, night and day. Smart GM, good coach, smart coordinators, and a great roster. It's a new day in Detroit, Michigan in regards to the Lions. Pistons? Eh. Different conversation. They got a ways to go. But as far as the Lions, get used to seeing this for years to come. These Lions, Packers, races for the NFC North over the next few years, going to be pretty fun. Shout out Detroit. Shout out Detroit fans. Get to the NFC title game for the first time, I believe, in franchise history, certainly in the modern era.
Shout out to the Lions, man. Good, good for them. Let's see. Got some comments up in here. Uh, yeah, I got some. A student in the game, 225, says the Red Wings were a dynasty in the NHL. Okay, I'll take your, again, not a hockey fan, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, Pistons NBA title, no four. Tigers won a World Series in 1984. And he says, Dan Campbell's a great coach. He's a motivator and a coach players want to go out and play well for. That is, it is the most underrated thing. Like, you know, we talk about it. Motivational coaches, I hate to steal from another analogy that I use in the show, but I, I often say that offensive lines are like air, in the air conditioning system. Like you only notice it when it's not working. We take it for granted or our heating systems. Very cold uh, here on the East Coast right now. We oftentimes take them for granted until they're not working. I think the same could be said about teams being ready to play. We just automatically assume they're going to be ready to go. Not necessarily. Dallas ready to go yesterday? <laughs> Does Mike McCarthy give you the vibes of a motivator? Think Dallas would have played like that? Dan Campbell's there? My guess is probably not. Probably not. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for the Lions, man. Like I am, I am as happy as I could be for a team that I'm not a fan of. Like, because I have... I've seen this. I I did not believe. I did certainly did not believe in the coach. I had skepticism about the quarterback. Um, but what the front office has done the last few drafts, free agency, they've hit on all of them, virtually all of them. And you know, shout out to Detroit, man. I believed in this team. I said this team would get to the NFC title game. People thought I was crazy. And if they beat the Buccaneers or the Eagles. Both of which they will be favored against. Like, surely they'll be favored against Philadelphia. I'd be shocked if they weren't. Then they indeed will be in the NFC title game. Wouldn't that be something if we've got Packers Lions? Wouldn't that be something? So, so freaking happy for Detroit, man. That's the thing, too. You know, Cleveland. I'll get to Cleveland. I didn't forget about you. I'll get to you later in the show. And as well as Houston, by the way. CJ Stroud, Lord of Mercy. But you know, Cleveland, oh my God, it's us against the world. Detroit didn't do that. Detroit's like, okay, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You know, how are we going to pick ourselves off the mat and put ourselves on the national stage? Team embodies the city. That's often how it is in professional sports. And, I mean, you saw all these, like, Detroit royalty. You saw Megatron and Barry Sanders, and I think Big Sean was there, and the man, the myth, the legend himself, Marshall Mathers, also known is Eminem. That was pretty cool. Good, great night for Detroit, man. I mean, you saw fans were crying in the stands. There was just one guy NBC kept showing. This guy who's been like a season ticket holder for like 66 years or something. Man, easy franchise to root for, easy team to root for. Really the kind of the feel-good stories, uh, story of the NFL. Good for them. Uh, last thing real quick. Uh, let me touch on this. We, we, who knows? We may get some Mike McCarthy news during the show. Um. I saw this stat yesterday, and I FaceTimed my sister. You saw her in the comments earlier. She, she, she's a you know, big Packers fan. She was trolling me about Dak and all that. And I, I FaceTimed her the second I saw this because it, it, was, it was a genuine LOL stat, okay? AT&T Stadium's first year for the Dallas Cowboys was the 2009 season. 2009 was the first year of AT&T Stadium, okay? They've been playing their home games there ever since. The Dallas Cowboys have two playoff wins at AT&T Stadium or Jerry World. Dallas has two playoff wins at Jerry World. The Packers have three. <laughs> the Packers have four playoff wins in the Cowboys Stadium. 
that the Cowboys do. I mean, by the way, they've never lost there in general, if you include the regular season. Because the Packers won a Super Bowl there in 2010. They won that playoff game when Aaron made that crazy third and 20 play to Jared Cook and Dak and, Dak and Zeke's rookie year. And they won yesterday. I mean, that is, I saw that. I'm like, oh my goodness. The Packers have more playoff wins in Jerry World than the Cowboys do. They have more playoff wins in Jerry, Jerry's world than Jerry's team does. Whew, man, I'm glad I left the fan base. Y'all, y'all to stay. Y'all are, y'all are a lot, lot tougher than me. I'll tell you that. Kansas City. This often happens with dynasties, which Kansas City is. They have two Super Bowls and a four-year stretch with another appearance, and Mahomes has won uh, an MVP in that span plus an MVP before that span started. And if their worst season every single year that Mahomes has been the starter is an AFC title game loss. They're a dynasty. We do this often with dynasties. When they're kind of in cruise control in the regular season, we let it fool us. That, you know, because they're not playing well that right now, right now, and you know, quarterback doesn't seem to have a total rhythm, and Andy Reid's getting mad at officials, and Travis Kelsey slamming his helmet on the sideline, and all the above. Dynasties are different, though. Dynasties can cruise control. Dynasties can kind of go, I should say, half speed, but understand that the regular season, as important as it is, you make your legacies in January and February. And I said coming into this game, I do a segment every single week. It's my favorite segment of the week. It is simply called... betting that? It's called If I Were a Batman. And I do it on Fridays. It's the one game every week. Like, I'm like, if, if I were a Batman, I don't gamble. But if I did... Like the one game I would just go all in on. And when I saw Miami, Kansas City was just Chiefs minus. It got to only the highest it got was four and a half. I'm like, thank you. This is easy. You're telling me a Dolphins team that went down the stretch of the regular season, losing three of five, lost their last two devastatingly to Baltimore. And then a Buffalo Bills team came in there, didn't even play that well offensively and still beat you. That with a beat-up roster, you're going to go to Kansas City, forget win, and cover in the fourth coldest game that's ever been played in the history of the National Football League. That Miami is going to win that game? No. And this is how dynasties are. We every year, can this team flip it? Oh, you can't flip a switch if you're grading up the camp. I always use the example of, you know, when you're, in life, we flip switches all the time. We conduct ourselves a certain way at work. We conduct ourselves a certain way at home. We can conduct ourselves a certain way around our grandmother or grandfather. We conduct ourselves a certain way around our friends, our boys, our girlfriends, whatever. We flip switches in life. You're telling me you can't flip a switch as a football team for four game, four straight games? After 17 prior to that? Off of what was essentially a bye week last week because Mahomes rested, Kelsey rested. Most of the important guys did. Of course, Kansas City looked good. And by the way, the score, 26 to 7, it probably should have been more like 40 to 7 ish. But Kansas City left some, left some meat in the bone in the red zone. That's going to be something they're, they're going to need to clean up, whether they play Houston or Buffalo next week. They're going to need to clean that up. But again, Patrick Mahomes, cruddy conditions, didn't matter. QBR of 88. Had a touchdown, you know. Chiefs running game, buck 47. 
Chiefs defense, which I've said all years, top three in the NFL with Kansas. I'm sorry, with San Francisco and Baltimore. What a surprise. They played a team that can't win when it's not 70 degrees. And Patrick Mahomes, I saw this stat today. It's quite mind-boggling. In, temp- in games of temperatures of 40 or lower, Patrick Mahomes has 21 wins with six losses. So the weather does not affect him. Fourth coldest game ever. Eh, it doesn't matter. Let's just run the football, hit you in the mouth, convert on third down, move around, make plays on an icy field surface. It doesn't matter. Because when you have the best quarterback we've ever seen in our lives, and I say the most talented quarterback ever, fourth greatest quarterback ever, one of the greatest coaches ever, certainly the best offensive coach in the last two decades, the greatest tight end ever, and that isn't arguable, especially when you look at his postseason numbers, and what happens to be the best defense Mahomes has ever had, you're telling me they can't put together four straight games of good football? You kidding me? Nothing, not, there was not a thing about that game yesterday, including Mahomes' helmet cracking in the, whatever it was, negative 16 or negative 13, whatever it was, uh, wind chill. Even that, nothing shot me about that game. It was cold. You've got a team that can't play well unless it's beautiful conditions. Now they got to go to the fourth coldest game ever against a team that thrives in cold weather, against the best quarterback in the league by a mile, against the best coach in the league, against the best tight end of all time, and a top three defense, and they're going to win? They're going to cover? That game didn't surprise me in a, a, a tiny bit. So this whole, oh, Buffalo's better, uh, you know, Cleveland. I remember, how many lists I see? Browns are better than the Chiefs. They're not. They're not. They use four quarterbacks. Likes Stefanski more of the Browns later. They're not. Championship DNA is a real thing. I cannot tell you the number of years where my Warriors either floundered at the end of the regular season or were kind of beat up, didn't look so good, were on cruise control. And then once April, May, and June hit, they looked like the Warriors. They looked, they looked like the same old team we're used to winning championships. Insert any dynasty. Insert how many how many seasons of the Patriots went in with no momentum and then they reel off four, three or four straight wins and won the Super Bowl. Because when you have the DNA, when you have the culture, when you have the structure there, when you have an all-time great quarterback, all-time great coach, great defense. I've compared this year's Chiefs. People need to stop comparing this year's Chiefs to last year's Chiefs or the Chiefs of years past where Mahomes thrown for a million yards and 50 touchdowns. That, it's not that team. I said a month ago when they beat New England, I said, wait a minute. It, like, it just dawned on me. Maybe it's because they're because they playing New England. I'm like, oh, this is this is one of the, the Brady Patriot teams. Great coach who specializes on his side of the ball, or on a certain side of the ball. Great defense. All-time great quarterback. All-time great tight end who's kind of fading a little bit. Kind of fading. Serviceable receivers. Nowhere near special, but serviceable if you have that great of a quarterback. Well, a lot of playoff games. You can be you you can like Buffalo more. I listen, I think everybody should like Baltimore more. It's the best, best team in the league. Um, you can like Buffalo more, you can like Cleveland more. Houston's a great story. Shroud's amazing. More on them in a second. You can like Houston more. You can like Miami more, cute, flashy team. I'm gonna roll with the team that's won two of the last four championships, been to three of the last four Super Bowls, and as the best player you've ever seen at the position and the fourth greatest player of all time. And yes, there is this distinction between best and greatest. There was That was the least shocking thing I saw this weekend. Green Bay beating Dallas would have been surprising. The way, what they did at Dallas was like, holy smokes, I didn't see that coming. 
Stroud doing what he did to that, to, to that Browns defense. Didn't see that coming. Saw him winning. Didn't see him doing that. Detroit winning close. That wasn't that surprising. But this, dynasty, best quarterback in the league, best coach in the league, best tight end ever, and a great playoff performer. Top three defense against a team that is horrible in cold weather. I'm surprised they've been beaten by more than they did. Shout out to Kansas City. We get dynasty fatigue all the time. We did it with the Warriors. We did it with the Patriots. Did it with Alabama football. And they just keep on winning these big playoff games. Get used to seeing, I shouldn't say get used. We are used to it. Um, Kansas City's not going anywhere anytime soon. I just hate to break it to you, but that's what it is. All year long, everybody's panicking on the Chiefs. Not me. Because A, pick integrity. I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. And B, because I know how dynasties function in these situations. Never been a part of one, but I was a, a fan of one. Um, you know, am a fan of one. Warriors dynasty ain't over until Steph's prime's over. By the way, can I say this before that I talk about the Texans game? Because I did want to touch on this briefly. Um, hold on, this is from Jordan Schultz. Okay, real quick, Jordan Schultz, then I'll get into what I was going to say about the NBA. According to Jordan Schultz, the Seahawks have still put in their request to interview Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn for their head coach opening. This is what I said last week when I saw that he was the uh, the front runner to get the job. I'm like, he's literally Pete Carroll 2.0. And by the way, Pete's a better coach. He's Pete Carroll 2.0. You, you didn't really change anything. You just fire Pete, even though Pete still wanted to coach. You're just replacing Pete with another version of Pete, but a not as good version of Pete. It's a weird move that's going to haunt the Seahawks, I think. Uh, no, but as far as the, the – I'm not talking about the Warriors because all the next couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline to do that. But they played Chicago in Chicago. Uh, the Bulls have been playing pretty well as of late. And my Warriors were down 13th a half and had given up 75 points in the first half. Did not play well whatsoever. Defensively, just – I mean, Chicago's shooting the lights out of the basketball. And at halftime, the Bulls honored the 1996 championship team, the 72-win Bulls team. Now, MJ, Pippen, Rodman weren't there. My guess is MJ and Pippen weren't there because we know their history. And Rodman, who knows why he wasn't there. But Steve Kerr was there in Winnington and Ron Harper and all the great Bulls players were there. Phil Jackson was in the building. And the Bulls fans, we don't have the soundbite of this. I wish we did. But the Bulls fans... When Jerry Krause, who was the general manager of that Bulls dynasty, came up on the scoreboard I mean, on the on the screen on the jumbotron, uh, Jerry Krause has passed away. By the way, in the last, I think he passed like seven years ago or so. Well, his widow was in the building in place of him. When Jerry Krause came on the scoreboard on the jumbotron, the fans booed him. And then the camera pans to his widow, and she's like shaking her head, like no, 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 stop, stop. That's that's that's. I'll keep it clean for the show. That's clown stuff. That's 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 clown behavior by the Chicago Bulls fans. Now I know not Steve cursed it after the game. It's not all Bulls fans that did that. Not all Bulls fans. A lot of Bulls fans understand and recognize and appreciate what Jerry Krause did in Chicago. Um, but this is the old again. Two. Th how many times do I say this on the show? Two things can be true. On one hand, <laughs> he broke up. What's his name? Um, Jerry Krause broke up the Bulls. And he shouldn't have. Jordan was still amazing. Pippen was still productive. Rodman was still an effective player. They had a good bench, good roster. Phil Jackson, probably the greatest coach ever. Shouldn't have broken it up after 1998. And on the other hand, guys, 
he put together a team that won six championships. I mean, yeah, seven would have been great, but it ain't like sixes for for the for the for the birds. I mean, come on now. He won six championships in eight years. You're and you're booing him? Come on, man. And again, I'm not gonna cast aspersion on all Bulls fans. My man John Rivera is a big Bulls fan, and I know there's some great, great Bulls fans out there, but ones that did, shame on y'all. Shame on y'all. It's clown stuff. Even if even if Krause, and he's obviously a very controversial figure, was painted in a pretty bad light during the last dance documentary four years ago. Um, and some of it, listen, some of it justified. J- Jerry was was very thin-skinned, did not have a good relationship with Michael Jordan. That's been well documented. But he's no longer with us. His freaking widow is there. She's probably nervous in general. And he, and he booed her husband. Like, eh, that's 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 pretty that's pretty low. Like, that's come on. What, what, like, what are we doing? Like, you just nobody is for now on. Nobody's going to remember when that game, that mid January game against the Warriors, when they honored the '96 Bulls team. Nobody's going to remember anything about Kerr or Ron Harper, Phil Jackson, Winnington. Nobody's going to remember that. They're going to remember the fact that they booed the GM in deceased GM in front of his wife. Like that's pretty, pretty low. And by the way, the Warriors came back and won that game. So maybe a little, maybe a little basketball karma, maybe a little basketball karma ended up being a 22 point turnaround. Warriors led by, or were down by nine at the half, won the game by, uh, sorry, the Warriors were down 13 at the half, won the game by nine. I don't know. That was pretty low, pretty, pretty crappy behavior. If you do ask, if I do say so myself. Okay, Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. That was the first game of the playoffs. And it seems like every time Houston gets in, they always put them in that standalone 430 game on like NBC or something or ESPN, whatever the case may be. But Houston won the game. I figure they would. The fact that they were home dogs made no sense to me. Listen, I get the Browns won 11 games and Flacco was a cool story and the defense has been amazing. But this notion that Cleveland, again, we, we do have to remember, and I've warned Browns fans about this coming to the playoffs, there's a reason Joe Flacco was on his couch until November when the Browns signed him. And I get Flacco led the league in touchdown passes from the time that he came into now. We also led the league in picks. And I said, when I did my 14 team playoff weaknesses, the biggest weakness of every playoff team, what was Cleveland's? I said, January Joe uh, will is what, what was it? What did I say? Like January Joe will throw a bunch of interceptions or something like that. Or no, January Joe has been a turnover machine. That's what I said. Bingo, two pick sixes. Like that's he's kind of struggled in terms of the turnover, the turnover bug. Um, let's see, he had the three hundred yards passing, the touchdown. It, it was tight. It was kind of a back and forth game to start, but ultimately the way better quarterback took over. CJ Stroud, three touchdowns and a near perfect passer rating of one fifty seven point two QBR zero to one hundred of ninety eight. So Stroud was nothing short of phenomenal. Nico Collins was amazing. I've always loved Nico Collins. Um, running game was great. Like, but this was about CJ Stroud. Spraying the ball to guys, Schultz, to Noah Brown in this game at one point. Uh, he, had, he had one target. Um, Mechie, cool story, by the way, coming back from cancer. Uh, Nico Collins, like, this was about C.J. Stroud. And what C.J. Stroud, the lesson that I think he should teach a lot of franchises out there is that you can be one of the jokes of the league which Houston was. They, they were a joke. Last two years, terrible. They had the Deshaun drama, and they were bad in 2020, bad in 2021, bad in 2022. Had they not won their last game, they would have had the number one pick this year, uh, or this past year, 
who knows? Maybe they would have taken Bryce Young. Maybe they would have taken Stroud. Who knows? But you get that dude at quarterback. And you get that dude at coach. It changes everything. Because the Texans do have holes. They do have some flaws defensively. And they're not... The, the, the offensive line could use some work. But they they can go into every single season knowing we've got the most important position locked up. We've got our guy and we trust the guy leading this group, D'Amico Ryans. Like we're, we're good there. And the stress relief that that, that does for franchise, this is why it would be bananas and unintelligent for the Cowboys to move on from Dak Prescott. Cause what the heck are they without Dak? Again, I read the numbers earlier. You saw the Texans were without Stroud. Now, props to Nick Casario because he's he has aced the draft the last few years and free agency. Kind of a, a little Detroit Lions style where went out and got some free agents, went out and got Dalton Schultz uh, in, in the draft, drafted John Mechie, drafted Nico Collins, drafted, before he got hurt, Tank Dell, and, and brought and traded up to get Will Anderson, who's been great. Could they patch up their offensive line? Sure, but this Deshaun trade rebuilt the franchise, literally. Then you have Cleveland who's right back where they belong in quarterback hell. You have Joe Flacco, who played very well over the last couple months of the season, struggled with the turnovers, but the best quarterback you had all year. But then Deshaun is on probably the worst contract in sports, although Russell Wilson has a compelling case. But I give that title to Deshaun because Russell's at least shown flashes from time to time. Now what do you do? No franchise. No franchise mismanages quarterback worse than the Browns of Cleveland, and they did it to themselves. I caught a lot of flack from Browns fans when Deshaun Watson went down. And Deshaun, for good reason, is a very controversial figure and won't even get into the legal stuff. But I said, listen, I, I don't root for guys to get hurt. It sucks for Deshaun. But I said in this show, I don't have an ounce of sympathy for the Browns front office. They knew the legal troubles. They knew the fact that Deshaun was an oft-injured player. And they gave him the largest guarantee contract in the history of the National Football League. Of course they did. And now they're stuck. When you get that dude at quarterback, it changes everything. Changes everything. I'm not going to rip Cleveland for moving off Baker Mayfield because Baker does have flaws. And Baker did not play well in 2021. Especially once they let, let Odell go. He's not good. He was injured. I get that. But he was not good. But maybe hold off on the highest fully guaranteed contract of all time for a guy with legal issues and all that. Guy who's injured a lot. Maybe just go draft one. Maybe go get a CJ Stroud. When you get that dude at quarterback, I cannot emphasize this enough. I've been saying this now for three NFL seasons on Carving It Up Live. It is a quarterback's league. And increasingly, it's almost become a quarterback slash coach league because you see what D'Amico Ryans has done. You saw what Kevin Stefanski did. Like, I don't think, listen, voting for coach of the year and all the awards, MVP, that's already, that's been concluded. That's that's done. But if it were to carry in the postseason, if somebody leaked Stefanski, if you include the postseason, I would have an issue with it. They went one and done the playoffs with a 30-point loss. Like, I'm not going to have an issue. But I also... I don't think we should look at Kevin Stefanski as less of a coach after Saturday. Guys, you got Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and P.J. Walker and got that team to 11 wins and being favored on the road against Stroud? That's an amazing coaching job. 
So if you think Stefanski's a problem in Cleveland, which I don't think that many people do, that's a little bit of a straw man on my, my part, my bad, but that's not the issue. Roster's pretty good. Nick Chubb will come back healthy next year, hopefully for Cleveland, and Amari Cooper's been good, and, and Joku had a great year. Your defense is loaded. You're, you're good. You're you know, that guy at quarterback. You saw a very stark contrast. Two teams that have great coaches, great offensive personnel, and the Browns actually have a better defense in Houston, but Houston's defense is on the up and uh, up and coming. Get that due to quarterback, changes everything. Hopefully that's a lesson for teams like the Atlanta Falcons or my Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I think Kenny Pickett's going to gonna take you anywhere. I keep seeing these reports. Steelers are going to roll with Kenny Pickett in 2024. I'm like, why? Why, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You're just wasting another another year of your franchise. You're wasting our time as fans. What's the goal? Are you trying to build? Are you trying to progress? Keep that non-losing season going? Get get that dude a quarterback. At least make the attempt to get that. I'm not going to make it sound like, oh, it's easy. It's the hardest thing to do in sports is to try and find a quarterback. You could draft Stroud number two. You could draft Peyton Manning number one. Or you could draft Brady in the sixth round, Montana in the fourth round, Kurt Warner undrafted. It's the hardest, Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Irrelevant. It's the hardest thing to do in the NFL. Hardest thing to do in sports is to find a, not just a franchise quarterback, an elite quarterback. Well, the Texans did. And it changes everything when you do. It, re it really, really does. Uh, so I'm happy for the Houston Texans. Good for the fan base. They're going to be faced with a very tall task next week. They're either going to Arrowhead to face the defending champs or they're going to Baltimore for a team that's gotten two weeks off in the Ravens. So either way, it's going to be a tough road for them. Uh, whatever happens next week, they can go into 2024, heads held high, and bigger and better expectations of which I anticipate they will. They'll have a great chance to meet as long as they continue to progress in the right direction with this guy as their quarterback. But changes everything. It's quarterback's league. And when you get that dude, changes everything. You know, the, these franchises that, I mean, you saw it with Dallas yesterday. You saw it with, you know, we've seen it in the past with Pittsburgh. Pray to God that doesn't happen today with my Steelers. But these franchises that are so stuck in the past. Run game, defense. No, get the quarterback. You know, there's a guy who's <laughs> who's in uh, some pretty big trouble with the whole Epstein stuff. Uh, who happened to be a former president of the United States. But he had a saying decades ago, it's the economy, stupid. You know, not to quote him, given the situation there. I don't want to get into any legal stuff, but uh, it's the quarterback, stupid. That It changes everything. You're stuck, Cleveland, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I just hope my Steelers were learning from the Texans. Props to Houston, though. See, I'm so used on these Monday shows of doing like a recap of the week, like the games I don't spend a whole segment on, like doing a recap, but that's that's gone now. So even though we have six playoff games, two of them are going to be played today, um, it's, it's it's definitely weird. But Bryson's, I'll do, what we'll do, so Bryson's best 10, that's essentially off the table for the rest of the regular season. I'll do like Bryson's best eight, which doesn't roll off the tongue as well, on Wednesday. And I guess, what, Bryson's best four on, on the Wednesday after that? I can't do Bryce's best two for the Super Bowl because that'll tip my pick. That'll tell me tell you essentially who I'm picking for the Super Bowl. So, but there you go. Fun. Listen, we we had three games that were duds in terms of entertainment value, two blowouts. But man, that Lions Rams game was so good. It lived up to the billing and then some. And I anticipate both these games will today too. So again, once again, I maintain upset of the week: Steelers over the Bills, seventeen sixteen. I am not moving off that pick for a second. 
Do Is it because I think we're better than Buffalo? Nope. I do think we have a better coach, Mike Tomlin, no doubt about that. Um, losing T.J. Watt is absolutely devastating uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what do we know about Josh Allen? What do we know about the Buffalo Bills? They can be quite uh, reckless. Haven't I, hasn't, haven't I been using that word for Josh Allen all season long? Reckless plays where you're like, you know, low reward, high risk plays for Josh Allen. You know, forcing balls into, into windows they don't need to be forced into. I'm just telling you. But after that, we have the regularly scheduled game tonight in Tampa Bay, Florida, where the Buccaneers will Philadelphia. A three-point favorite in Tampa Bay. Now, this is an interesting one uh, because Tampa Bay's in a spot where they're underdogs at home, kind of in a similar sort of situation in that regard as the Houston Texans were on Saturday afternoon. But listen, the thing is for Tampa, so they're 9-8. and eight, They win the worst division in the NFL, the NFC South. And last week, eh, kind of a kind of a dud performance. It's a good thing they played the Carolina Panthers, where they probably wouldn't have gotten in the playoffs. They won 9 to nothing. Baker Mayfield, sore ribs. You know he's been getting treatment around the clock over the last uh, eight days plus, uh, if you include today, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so they're, you know, kind of beat up. Kind of a little bit of a Cinderella story. Not nearly the, as good of a roster as the Eagles have. Certainly a better coach, Todd Bowles. However, then you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're like, man, they're beat up, yes, physically. They're more beat up mentally and spiritually. 10-1 start in their first 11, losing five of their next six games to blow the division to Dallas and go on the road to 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 play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, you are favored because you do have the better quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who's had a down season, 23 touchdowns with 15 interceptions. Uh, A.J. Brown beat up and is not going to play in this game for Philadelphia. Just huge. And by the way, the Eagles are bad at literally everything defensively. Can't stop the run, can't stop the pass, give up a lot of points, uh, don't take the ball away. They've been absolutely smoked, torched, whatever word you want to use, whatever adjective you want to use over the last couple of months in this little losing streak that they've had here. So the vibes are bad in Philly, but they're more talented. The vibes are good in Tampa, but they're beat up at the most important position, quarterback. Here's to me what's the, what, the, what the advantage is for, for the winning team. So Baker's beat up. A.J. Brown's out. Two key players. Tampa Bay blitzes about more than I think any team in the NFL. I could be wrong on that. They're always up there in the NFL. Todd Bowles calling the defense in terms of blitzing the quarterback. He loves to do it. Kind of Wink Martindale-esque. Uh, we know his history with the Ravens and Giants. That's what Todd Bowles likes to do. Jalen Hurts is a bottom three rated quarterback against the blitz. You're telling me Tampa Bay doesn't know that? You're telling me Tampa Bay doesn't know Hurts has been a turnover machine this season with the picks and with the fumbles, and they're not going to come after him? Devin White, uh, Levante David, the pass rushers they got down there in Tampa. A.J. Brown out, so you're going to have to rely on Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. The weather isn't supposed to be ideal in Tampa. I think it's going to be a little little wet down there in terms of the conditions, a little rainy. Uh, That is going to be a factor, no question about that. But listen, what it comes down to is this. You have a Philadelphia Eagles team that has shown you who they are. In a game last week against the beat-up Giants with their backup quarterback who had nothing to play for. Eagles had everything to play for, played all their starters, and they were down 24 to nothing at the half. When a team shows you who they are, you know, my Angelo, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. When a team shows you who they are, believe them. Buccaneers in an upset. 20-17 to 17 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Tampa Bay wins. 
and advances to take on the Detroit Lions in the second round, in the divisional round of the playoffs. Philly gets knocked out in round one. Again, they've shown you who they are. Like, take them at their word. They're not a very good football team the last couple of months. You're telling me they're just going to flip a switch? Well, t- Kansas City did. Kansas City's a dynasty. That's why they flipped a switch. Teams that aren't dynasties, that aren't playing well over the last couple of months, they don't flip switches. And by the way, Philly fans, I know I know, I get on y'all, and I won't stop, but just long-term picture, a loss here, a little maybe similar to Dallas, but Philly's way better run than Dallas. This could be the best thing that could happen to you because in a coaching availability cycle that I don't think it's ever been better, Vrabel, maybe Pete Carroll, Belichick, Ben Johnson. I mean, that guy McDonald with the Ravens, the defensive coordinator, he's getting interviews right now. Potential, who knows? Maybe B enemy ends up getting an interview from here and there. He's gotten screwed over, but that's not here or there. Uh, maybe B enemy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is getting interviewed by the Chargers right now. Belichick, all of these big names, all these incredibly talented coaches. And you're going to roll with Nick Sirianni, who the less he's involved, the better. I talked about that on Friday's show. Like year one, he was very involved. They were three and six, stepped out of the way, gave the play calling duty to Shane Steichen. Team took off and made the playoffs. Then in year two, Steichen was still there, took off, made the Super Bowl. Hertz was an MVP candidate. This year, Steichen's gone. Sirianni has to take more of a role in terms of leadership when the season starts to go awry, and it just gets worse. The locker room's a mess. That points to the head coach. You can lose games. You cannot lose a locker room. Sirianni, I mean, if you've seen the quotes by Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, social media activity, and Kelsey's made some comments. They're not in a good space, I can tell you that much. Not in a good space. I consider, strongly consider moving on from Sirianni for a Belichick, definitely for a Harbaugh. Harbaugh would be my number one target. Vrabel, I consider. Vrabel would be a great fit there. He's great with offensive staffs. We'll see. All right. Fun show. By the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Um, Today is MLK Day, uh, 2024. So, obviously, Martin Luther King Jr., one of the greatest Americas that has ever walked uh, this beautiful country in our history. Um, I made an IG post today, talk about, you know, his his importance, but sort of to repeat uh, the themes of that. One thing that I think we often forget about Dr. King is the fact, and we so we whitewash history so bad in this country that oh, he was this great American. He was, he absolutely was. He was also the most hated man in the country. And you think I'm exaggerating about that? They did a poll. They did a poll back in the mid '60s about who's the most hated man by Americans. Number two was MLK. Number one. I believe the man's name was Nikita Khrushchev. I think I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. You know who he was? The guy that got us involved in the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, which was one of the biggest scares in American history. MLK was in that category. And he, by the way, communist, you know, leader, communist guy. That's where MLK was. So before when we you know when y'all not y'all, not yeah, but just like when people go out there and talk about their I have a dream post and all that. Know who MLK was and how he was hated, beyond hated, in the time that he was around. Understand what he went through. 
uh, beatings, arrest, his house was burned down, his family was attacked, and ultimately he lost his own life in 1969. 68, 69, it was late 60s. I think it was 68, now that I think about it. Never forget MLK. Never forget what he stood for. Never forget the legacy that he left. And still, it was 1968. It was 1968, yes. Um, And the impact he had then and his words still have now and the relevance they still have now. 1968 was only 56 years ago. Wasn't that long ago. We've come a long way, thank God, but we still have a long way to go. Um, But the beauty of this country is... Seemingly, we've we've gotten it right. It's just taken us a long time to get there, as someone once said. So, sh- shout out, hats off to the memory of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, let's never forget not only his words, not only the quotes we see on social media every year at this time, but what he truly, truly stood for and the truly great American that he was. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live back at our normally scheduled time on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. Of course, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. Folks, we just surpassed the other day 700 subscribers. I cannot tell you how much I thank y'all and appreciate y'all for for committing yourselves to to watching the show, to supporting the show. If you have subscribed, please tell everybody you know about it, your friends, your family, your dog, your cat, everybody about Carving Up Live. If you have not subscribed, just takes a couple seconds. If you're on YouTube, hit that bigger subscribe button down there. Not that one. That's just that's just a graphic. The one, the real one down there. The one that says subscribe. The red one. And you're part of the Carving It Up family. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. So I believe we can get there. We just surpassed 700 over the weekend. So thank you, thank you so much for your support. Just as importantly, be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, uh, as well as some uh, great content in terms of writing. Patrick Brown writes articles for the Grid Network. The rest of us uh, with the audio and the video content anywhere you get your podcast, as well as on the Grid Network's YouTube channel. Got some great guys over there, great content. Be sure to check us out and support us. I appreciate it. We appreciate it greatly. All right. Great weekend of playoff football. We got two more playoff games today. Let's go Steelers. Here we go. Get the W over the Buffalo Bills and move on to play those nasty Ravens in the second round. I'll see y'all on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, 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 once again, be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change from gun violence in America. We've got to address this major problem in this country. Playoff football. Monday night, Monday afternoon football, Monday night football. Give me all the football. We only got a month of it left. Let's enjoy it while we got it. See y'all on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. God bless y'all. Peace out. I'm still riding with Dak. I don't care what none of y'all say. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.